Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and we have something very fun for you on this first week of what will surely be an insane presidential election year. Jordan Klepper and Roy Wood Jr. have each been on this podcast multiple times. But since they are heading out on tour together this month, I decided to ask them both to join me for this first episode of 2024. And they did not disappoint. We definitely talked a lot of politics as they gear up for their tour, which is called America for the Last Time and is being billed as a comedic town hall. But since we were also talking in the middle of this very strange and public search for a new host of The Daily Show, we got into all of that as well, including how Roy is feeling about the whole thing after seemingly getting passed over for the job and then stepping down as a correspondent, and whether Jordan would still want the chair if it was offered to him. And yes, they also weigh in on the Hassan Minhaj debacle. As I said, this is such a fun and funny episode, so I want to get to it. But first, let's listen to a short clip from the very first Daily Show field piece that Jordan Klepper and Roy Wood Jr. did together back in 2015 that asked the question, are all cops racist? Over the past year, cops have faced increasing scrutiny based on their actions against minorities. To get to the bottom of this, The Daily Show sent not one, but two correspondents to go deep. Super deep. So we decided to sit down with some cops to see why they're racist under attack. Tonight on. There's gonna be a graphic right here. No graphic. No graphic? Oh, let's go inside. After all the shootings of unarmed minorities throughout the country, the nation is now split into two camps. Either the cops are racist or they're not racist. But only one side can be right. So we sat down with former NYPD detective and Fox News contributor Bo Deedle to get the definitive answer. It's a tough question to ask, Bo, but I gotta ask it. Good. Are police racist? No. It's good enough for me. I'm satisfied. <laughs> We're good here. I'm unbelievable. Are you serious? It's so great to have both of you back on the show. You've both been here multiple times, but this time together, this is a, a very special day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where nobody knows uh, who, who should talk first. This is this is the this is the repertoire people really love. They just love that it's just you know a, a lot of comedians get acclaimed for how they play off one another, but I think it's the awkward silences that really speak volumes about about comedy, about relationships. Yeah, about, maybe it just uh, shows how much respect you both have for each other. You're so deferential. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, appreciate you appreciate you for having us. Um, anytime I get to work with Jordan Klepper. It is generally a good time with the exception of the the anti-gay barbecue food truck thing. You didn't that one. 
that was a good time. I mean, that, no, it was, was that I, a field I, piece? Was that you? A... That was one of those. Oh shit! I think I'm going to get shot. Type when you hang out with Jordan, I mean, that must happen a lot. You've got to be prepared for <laughs> feeling like you're going to get attacked, and that that definitely happened at that one. Yes, I mean, it is true, and I, I feel like you. You are just, everybody loves Roy Wood Jr. How do you not love Roy Wood Jr.? So when he walks into spaces, usually people are just, you know, open arms. But I feel like the field pieces that we tend to do together, uh, there's, there's, there's an element of danger to them, Roy. Here's which the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing that, that I don't know until I'm back in the edit and I'm watching what's happening. Clipper has a way, like, you think Jordan Clipper's incendiary when he's front and center talking to the person. But when Clipper's your hype man... He's fucking diabolically <laughs> horrible. We we go to North Carolina. Fuck, where were we, bro? Was it? It wasn't Charlotte. It was like somewhere else. You know, Durham. I gotta tell you, I I I couldn't make up two names of cities in North Carolina right now. <laughs> we were in Moorhead City, Beachville. Yes, a Durali Ham Hill. That's yeah. Chapel Raleigh, I think, is where we were. I can't remember the law of the proposition, but basically they passed a law that essentially said we could deny you service if we think you're gay. If we think your sexual orientation, we could deny you service to sexual orientation. So we we set up a fake food truck to show this law in action. And, the, and it's a simple game. Anyone who comes up to this food truck to buy barbecue, I say no because you look gay. And... There are certain Southerners where they <laughs> don't take a liking. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm calling people gay, but I'm being very calm and procedural about it. Unbeknownst to me behind me, Jordan Klepper is doing like he's flicking his hand away like shoe, like shoe fly <laughs> shoe to people. And I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? <laughs> you got to you got to you got you got to poke the hate bear, man. You got to poke it. You got to see it. Let's see it come out. Let's see what's really behind that veil of nicety because there's oh something underneath. That dude <laughs> shook the fucking truck and we had actual hot, we had deep fryers going like oh legit God. hazards. Come on, guys. I, I'm not trying to be a dick here. You are being a dick. How am I being a dick? Because you're just arbitrarily, randomly not serving me. Look, if anybody knows something about discrimination, it's me. I got called four times this morning. Again, sorry about that. It happens. That's great. But why do you think I'm gay? Yeah. That's what he's focused on. I was told this was cool in North Carolina. I don't have to justify myself. That's that's an instinct I have is that you are gay and I don't feel comfortable. He's got good instinct, bro. But why? The Bible, bro. What, what, what does that Dude, do with anything? I'm a pastor, man. You're a pastor? You're a pastor? Uh, but then you know. Tell him. Even if you were gay, I mean, still you should serve him. There you go. And all it took was a pastor to ask the real question, which was, what the f***? Does being gay have to do with a person getting some barbecue? Yeah, that was also the Daily Show is such a cheap place to work. Uh, yeah, we were we were actually making food for the three hours we filmed that, um, and so like most of our energy was put into <laughs> yeah. to making like, the food. Yeah, also, we're that's supposed to be doing I, comedy, but <laughs> you're just. But cooking. also, if you can if you can turn a little bit of a profit on selling some of this beef, that would be really helpful. So yeah. we did that. Well, you, were, you were turning away all of the customers. I'm not sure how that worked. Honestly, it was a thin premise even from the get go. Even looking back at that one, I'm like, I. We were we were exposing what was ridiculous uh, about that law, but I think there's probably a more 
there's a, there's a there's a probably a more elegant approach than just deny calling people gay yeah. and not giving them food. But I think I'd like to think we come days. up with this. Those were the sledgehammer days. Sure, <laughs> those were the sledgehammer days. That was like year two of Trevor, and we were yeah. like really you had you're going for door. it. Yeah, yeah, we were more hammer. We we were more battering ram than exacto knife. Like mm-hmm. we weren't like mm-hmm. a fine chisel. You know, like sur- we weren't surgical. Yes. <laughs> there were no scalpels in those days. Yeah, yeah, that was the cop one. That was when I got called the N-word by one of the people we was interviewing. Well, he didn't call me the N-word. He said it, and that was his argument. Was that And I he and he was looking at you? Oh, absolutely. The clepper was sitting right beside me. Didn't do shit. Oh, don't even. Don't <laughs> even. Check fake the tapes. Ally. <laughs> what a what a fake ally. <laughs> if I re- if I recall, he approached the N word with the the classic white guy referencing hip hop lyric uh, yes, logic. Yes, he did. This was. Yeah. I also think this might have been Roy's first interview too. Yeah, it was, so right? we're sitting it was there the together. First interview of the first week on the show. Oh my <laughs> lord! Oh my lord! And I'm trying not to snap on this guy, and because it just it'll derail the interview. This also, Matt. This happens like ten minutes into a hour-long interview. So I can't, like, run the guy off, but also I can't let you off the hook. But, you know. It was a dicey, awkward, strange interview right from the get-go. And I do remember calling him out on it, playing around in that, and being a true hero in that moment, even if the edit doesn't show it that way. That is my memory of that moment. <laughs> yeah, that's your memory. Um, well, you know, some you guys, your your comedic chemistry, I think, was was obvious from from that first piece. But now you're you're Gearing up for this tour, uh, it's called America for the Last Time, and it's billed as a comedic town hall. So uh, how did this happen, and uh, and what can people expect? I think Roy and I have been wanting to do live stuff for some time now. I think we've always had such a blast out there on the road together, putting Roy in dangerous situations. Uh, and when this strike happened, everybody's trying to figure out what the hell do we do now? And I think the upside of it is like, oh, what can we do now? What are the things we've wanted to do now? And so, you know, Roy and I started batting this around. Like, what if we went out there and kind of started to to tell some stories, to, to fuck around a little bit, to talk to an audience, to come up with some fun bits based on the news? Um, and I think we were, we were joking about, like, we could do these town halls better than the town halls we're watching on TV. Uh, so let's engage with some folks. Let's get out there and let's kind of play. So this sort of got born out of space that was open uh, and a, a chance to sort of indulge in something we wanted to experiment with, and I think we're we're kind of we're gonna we're gonna experiment. We're gonna see what the what the hell is on the other side of uh, of Michigan or January. Jordan Clipper and I are giving Americans the exclusive opportunity to ask the questions that matter to two men who do not have the answers <laughs> or any power. Yes, and also, also if <laughs> if that. If that if that scares you, America, you can also ask the questions that don't matter. We will also take those as well. So really, all bets are off. You know, it, it'll be funny, but there should also be places where people can legitimately vent a little bit if they want to, but also to just show every part of America isn't what you think it is. I'm 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 most excited about Indianapolis because that's the city I know the least about. <laughs> yeah, it's also probably the reddest place you're going, right? Yeah, I'm. I am not excited. Uh, <laughs> uh, come at me, Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, come at me. No, in. I think 
Hey, you know, us, us, we're in this together. Co- no, right? no, no, no. We are in this together. This is, <laughs> if, if you don't like me, you might like Roy and we're a team. So come and be supportive. <laughs> I'm just I would happy guess to that get, the crowd get, that, you, that you guys draw is, uh, leans a certain direction though. You know, we will see. There's, it tends to, I think, you know, there's, there tends to be more of a perhaps comedy central audience uh, at our, our event. Although we will see. Um, I think we are we are come one come all. We would love to to chop it up with you of any political persuasion. And I think this is also an opportunity for us, like we say, to talk about some of the the weird characters we've seen on the road. To talk about some of the ways in which the sausage gets made to a place like the Daily Show. To talk about some of these people, like we were just joking about Eamon Bundy and some of these people that you have one image of in your mind and then you spend time with them and it becomes a more complicated kind image. Of a nice so, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of a nice guy. Roy's kind of a Bundy head. Not, hey, slow down. All I'm saying is, <laughs> he likes Bundy. He likes what he stands for. He likes the history there's of that a, there's family. There's a couple things he stands for that I agree with. Like the dude started talking, but he's like pro Black Lives Matter. That's what got me out to Idaho in the first place. Oh wow! This yeah. is this is the libertarian mindset. Let me tell That's you, everybody thinks. Yeah, they're like, yeah, I'm. I, I screw those conservatives. They're like, well. Have you heard about libertarianism? They're like, ooh, tell me more. It's like you could be selfish and view yourself as progressive at the same time. Like, sign me up. I'll do it. Yeah, well, Roy, I don't know if you heard. uh, Trump got the Black Lives Matter endorsement, apparently. That's what he – at least that's what he said. Yeah, from one leader. Can someone please tell everyone that Black Lives Matter is like – it's like getting a vote from the head of the YMCA. Each YMCA is its own individual entity. Exactly. So – you act like they're one interconnected nucleus, like the NAACP or something, and they aren't. It's not the same. But for the people who will vote for Trump, that's enough. I just wish, and that, and that's where they're not like Biden. Check. But see, that's where I get pissed off with Biden because fuck it, just do what they do, bro. Just lie, <laughs> lie to get the job, and then be honest. Like you can't. You can't be honest to start anymore in politics. I don't think that's realistic. I don't know how that's sustainable in the long run, but I, I just. You're playing it, to a different are, audience, though. I think this. So, like, what Trump does is he literally has a group called Blacks for Trump that he puts behind him at rallies. <laughs> and he, he calls it out four times. If Biden did Blacks for Biden, you know who would be <laughs> angry about that? Democrats. Democrats yeah, would hate that. <laughs> Therein lies the problem. It's it's a tough audience, I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? I mean, the, the whole everything going on with Joe Biden, I mean, the consensus is just that he is that is just that he's too old. But do you think that something else is going on? Do you think that that's what it is? Or is there is there really more to it than that? I think that's a big part of it. I mean, he's very old. We should get a younger, fresher point of view in these offices, of course. And I think both Biden and Trump, like, boy, does Trump get a pass on the too old thing. Like, they all have a hard time in live events. Donald Trump doesn't know who the leader of Hungary is. Donald Trump doesn't know who he ran against in the last election. Uh, And Biden is, I think it is a fair criticism to look at Biden and age as a determining factor. Trump is only three years younger than Biden. Can we stop acting like He's fucking 54. <laughs> yeah. Like, just because he's spry and talks shit, it's like, oh, well, clearly Donald Trump is only 65. Like, I wouldn't. But Folksy it, also adds a decade. 
folksy adds a decade. So Biden That's might fair. be 81, but he's folksy, so he's 91. So you're dealing with that. <laughs> I, just, I just wish the Biden ignorance was also ignorance drops a decade. So Trump Trump goes out with straight ignorance, and he's pulling like then he's early seventies. So now you're looking that's at a seventies right. nineties thing, Stupidity and that's why it feels youthful. <laughs> it is. Keeps you young. That's yeah. why assholes live to a hundred. Shout out Henry Kissinger. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I also know. think I the thing with Biden. That. Oh God! Is it too no, soon. I think you're. Too late. I think you're in the clear. I, you know. I think you're fine. I think the thing with Biden uh, right now and the frustration with him beyond the age stuff is like the American electorate. Electorate always feels like it could be better, and that's that's something that's always existed in politics. But in this day and age, when you have phones and you have everything that's has a uh, uh, an economy telling you how good things are, but that you don't have what you deserve. Everybody wants to change the situation. And so that's always been the case. I think that was a huge factor in Trump beating Hillary back in the day. As, as wild as Hillary, uh, as, as more overqualified as Hillary was, Trump was regime change. And it seems crazy to think of Donald Trump as regime change. But I can understand why a little bit of the, the hope for something different that existed in the Biden campaign a couple of years ago is no longer there simply given the fact that he's running again. And so that is something that you just can't escape. And I, I don't think there is an answer for it for the Democrats. I think there's there's definitely a communication problem on the Biden side where they could articulate their successes uh, in a progressive sense much better than they are. But I think you have an audience that is that wants, that thinks they deserve better. And that's the American election. Yeah, it does make me wonder if we're lucky to run against Trump in any way, because if it was any of these other younger people, would they have an even better chance because of how poor Biden's, you know, approval ratings are and everything? Do you think, I mean, Jordan, you know, you, you talk to these people a lot. Do you think that, but are they so obsessed with Trump that it just, there's no way that anyone else is going to get in there? And even if they did, maybe his fans would, would sour on them? Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing that those folks lose uh, jump ship with Trump is when he is considered a loser. He'll never call himself a loser. Something... Something like him pooping his pants in public and then being thrown in jail and then claiming he lost the election on television might make people defect. I think, but I think like what a Nikki Haley would do is she'd make people like moderates who are grumpy and don't like Trump, they would jump to it. I mean, I, I, I know I know progressives in my family who would jump to a Nikki Haley thing, even though I think her, her positions might even be more right wing at times than, than Trump. I think uh, the fact Almost that she seems calculated. competent. Yeah. But, but I think the there, there is a desire for something, some, an idea, an illusion of moderation is still something that is sexy to the American public, even though I don't think they could articulate it. Yeah, but it's like Americans are tired of Biden. It, it's like living in a town that only has one restaurant. Like when you stay at the hotel, that's, I, I, I used to play, this is a deep cut. I used to play the Funny Bone in West Des Moines, Iowa, and the hotel they put us in, I'm sure it's still there. You can fucking Google it. That is in a hotel that was next to a Ruby Tuesdays and a Culver's. And those are the only two things you could eat because I didn't have a car. So every <laughs> fucking day for six days, Ruby Tuesdays or Culver's. And then one year I came and there was a fucking Red Robin like <laughs> up the street. And I just wanted Red Robin. Even though deep down Ruby Tuesdays had the best options, it had the best menu, it had better stuff. But just the idea of something new, I think Americans are so quick to run to the shiny thing 
that maybe boring is okay. I mean, if Biden and them spun age as knowledge and wisdom, maybe so. But, you know, you're just you're not going to win a youth PR debate against Donald Trump. And sadly, I don't, I don't think America cares about wisdom anymore. I think that's a selling point. I think also in Eastern cultures, cultures wisdom is considered something that we revere in the elderly. Or uh, I think in mm-hmm. Western cultures, we don't give a fuck about the elderly. We don't give a fuck about wisdom. Shut we want new and up, shiny. <laughs> 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 I think you nailed it on the head, Roy. I think America has Ruby Tuesdays and Culver's and they don't have a car. And that's where we're all like, ah, we should figure out how to get a car so we should get some other options. No, America does not have a car. And America doesn't want to walk. They're not as healthy as they've been. They've had some issues. They don't work out. The doctor told them to take up swimming. They haven't done it. It's an issue right now. (laughs) So you're saying I should be walking to the grocery store that's half a mile from the hotel. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah, that's the Green Party right there. Go to the grocery store. Get yourself some. That's that's never going to win, though. (laughs) It's never going to win, but you should just get out of the house and and cook yourself one meal, for God's sakes. Cook yourself a meal. (laughs) Coming up. Roy opens up about his decision to step down as a correspondent for The Daily Show after eight years, when he realized he probably wasn't going to get the big job. They also share their unfiltered thoughts about the reports that their old colleague, Hassan Minhaj, had the Coast gig wrapped up until he didn't. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like, what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to our previous episodes with Jordan Klepper and Roy Wood Jr., as well as interviews with other recent Daily Show guest hosts like Wanda Sykes, Ronnie Chang, and Hassan Minhaj, along with everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Wednesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple and Spotify to let us know how much you love the show and who you want to hear next. Now back to Jordan Klepper and Roy Wood Jr. All right, so let's talk a little bit about The Daily Show. So, Roy, I got to clear something up. Did they tell you that it's not going to be you and that's why you uh, stepped down as a correspondent? What happened there? No, The Daily Show said they didn't know quite what the search, how the search would unfold this time. Now that the news came out that Hassan wasn't going to be in the mix anymore. So the the question I posed was, which like, okay, 
what's the process going to be? How are we figuring this out? And, you know, what are, what is the criteria upon which we're establishing and deciding what, who the host will be? Or, you know, what are you looking at? What are you looking for in a host? And, oh, we don't know. We're not sure. So I left and I left and it wasn't out of anger. It was out of fear because I essentially, at the beginning of October, I have three months now to decide before the January gold rush of the strike ending and all the creative coming in. If I am not a part of the new regime, which may not be a choice of my own, then I should start ideating now what I want to do next in case I'm not a part of the show. If they want me as a host, hopefully what I've done up until this point is enough to say yay or nay on me. But I cannot risk staying and hosting again and continuing because being a correspondent, that's not some shit you can do with one foot out the door. It's hard work. and You've got to go cover stuff and you've got to, you know, God bless him for the last three, you know, two, three months between everything that's going on in the world, internationally and domestically. It is a fucking shitstorm. So I don't think I could have done that and continued to tour on the comedy dates I'd already booked and have the proper real estate I need mentally to think about what's next for myself. So I saw October when the show came coming back, I saw it as an opportunity to jump out of the plane comfortably with a parachute or potentially in January get kicked out of the plane and not have any plan on how and where I'm going to land. So to me, leaving the show was more about creative self-preservation. You know, I love the job of correspondent. I've done it for eight years. It's okay if I don't do it for three months. I need to go and figure out other stuff in case this is where the show ends for me. In case this is the end of the line for me in political satire, I'm going to take this a little bit of time that I still have at the end of the year before things get crazy in Hollywood so that I'll already know what I want to do instead of thinking about what I want to do once the, you know, once the city opens back up. So, you know, you know, thankfully, I've had opportunities since then to have some talks with a couple of networks about a few projects and trying to write a film. So there's things in motion and, you know, I feel comfortable, you know, looking back on it now, a couple of months later, it was, it was, I feel comfortable in, in that decision, you know, at the time, you know, I don't, I can't speak to even still now what the process is or what they, what they plan to do. Yeah. So uh, you weren't worried about sort of taking yourself out of the running with that decision. If me leaving to preserve my own well-being is enough to get me eliminated, then I I don't think I was ever going to be considered in the first place, or maybe I shouldn't have been there. I feel I left that show, and I still feel respected to this day by the show. They haven't cut off my email. <laughs> That's so nice. When I say I'm loved, I like it, and I I've joked about it. This is the first job I've ever left where I was allowed to come back and clean out my office. Nothing yeah, came home. Security didn't escort you out or anything? No, no. <laughs> security walked me to my office. So, you know, it's I'm go, I'm going to go with the show to the Emmys. It's for a Trevor year. I was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're fucking right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go sit with and drink with my friends. They're my friends. And I think everybody at the show you know, understood that. And, you know, our showrunner, Jen Flans, you know, head EP, she's been nothing but supportive of the decision. And, you know, we text from time to time about headlines and stuff, but, you know, ultimately it's about not knowing where I fit in the show in the long run. So in the short term, 
Let me take a little sabbatical and go figure some shit out. And if you need a host, call me. If not, thanks. I love you all. And I'll see you at the Emmys. Are those, uh, you mentioned you've had some meetings and discussions with people. Is that about hosting a similar show on another network? Not really similar. I'm still trying to ideate what I would do in late night, but I still want to play in other sandboxes. I don't necessarily want to just go right back into late night. And if I do, it wouldn't be the only thing I do. Like I'd still want scripted stuff and movies. Like when I look at, when I look at the model that Steve Carell and John Oliver have both built for themselves, I think there's a middle ground in terms of post daily show career arcs. I think there's a way to kind of do both. And I think digital media and the way that which in which we consume new satire has changed to a degree. So I think there might be a way to be able to go do a movie while also still at the same time coming back and talking about issues on, you know, on a program. You know, I've had I've had offers and invitations from a few news networks as well to come aboard and do stuff during the election year. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm mulling that, but I'm not yeah. sure. If, I'm You're not, not sure, sure you want to be a CNN uh, contributor. Yeah. Like, and it's not even contributing. Like they're giving me creative, they, they've offered creative runway to come up with something, but I'm still not completely sure how committed cable news is to humor revealing truth. They, maybe they say they are. And then in reality, it doesn't turn out that way. It's not a coincidence that you don't see many stand-up comedians on cable news anymore, just giving opinions and stuff. I just don't, I just don't, I'm not saying, I, you know, I'd have to ideate and come up with the right idea that would work for the right network. But my knee jerk, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't, I haven't seen, like, I would say, Clepper, who's the funniest person in cable news? I, I would argue Ari Melber probably has the most freedom. <laughs> Inten- <laughs> intentional comedy or, uh, or accidental? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, who's the most. You're, 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 you're tickled Lucy's? by seven, seven gang star references. Uh, um, yes, humble brag. Oh, yes. my Lord. Ari Melber gets to read rap lyrics. And, and who else is loose and fun? <laughs> loose and fun maybe loose that's the point fun? if that's as loose and fun as it gets then you got a problem my lord yeah you can be as loose and fun as a 22 year old from 1999 at a uh <laughs> at a college frat party who's had his first beer that's that's the bar right there <laughs> um jordan what you know what about you do you plan to stay on as a and keep doing the types of uh, field pieces that you've been doing no matter sort of what happens next you know where i'm coming at it from like I want to be out in the mix. I'd love to be at that desk. I'd love to be out in the field. I want to talk about what's happening in the most consequential election of our time. And so I'm looking for the place that best allows me to do that. I think there is a lot of uh, unanswered questions over The Daily Show. I love The Daily Show. I've been there for close to a decade on and off. And so like, I've been able to do so many wonderful things. And like Royce, I mean, we get to work with wonderful people. Um, I, I hope it lands in a place that is um, is is productive uh, and a machine that can like attack this election. It should be the show that everybody's tuning into to get the deepest, most interesting uh, takes on on the world around us and this election that's going to affect 
us and generations to come. And so, like, I'm looking for the best vehicle to do that, to be quite honest with you. It very well could be with The Daily Show. I would love that to be the case. Uh, if that's somewhere else, I just want to be a part of that mix. Because that's the thing, man, is that we don't get to choose, as correspondents and contributors, we work in service to the vision of the host. So for now, there is no host. So we get to work in, into, in, we work in service to the creative vision of the North Star of the show as a whole, based on its place in the zeitgeist over history. Whereas if you get a new host, like, I'm a wide receiver, man. What if they hire... What if they hire a host that wants to run the football? Mm -hmm. What am I? You're a wide receiver? What am I? Like a punter, kicker, hybrid. A punter? What if you... You're a good... You're like Sebastian Janikowski, like your Hall of Fame kicker, like 65-yarder. Jason Elam. Adam (laughs) Vinatieri. Yeah, when they bring you in, it's, you know... They're like, oh, God, this guy's here. All right. Yeah, nobody was really friends with him. Martin Gramatica. Automatica Gramatica. You remember him. Martin Anderson. (laughs) Right. Okay. Um, (laughs) Jordan, I will say when you uh, recently did one night, I think, co-hosting with Leslie Jones, that felt like uh, maybe they were trying something out there. Oh, yes. You know what? No. No, Don't listen to Leslie Andrew 3000. Andre. Andre. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. Andre. 3000, although this is more of an Andrew 3000 project. (laughs) Artists have to evolve as they age. You can't be rapping into your 50s. There are only so many words that rhyme with sciatica. I mean, I'm not saying that he can't evolve. I'm not saying that. You don't always have to stay in your lane, but try not to drive completely off the road into a damn fruit store. I think it's great. He's reaching a new audience. You know, a rapper released an instrumental album. And finally, I can understand the lyrics. I had a, I had a blast hosting with Leslie. I got to host with Desi. And I think the, the two-person format is a really fun, interesting one for the show. I think the, the show's trying some things out. And, and that, that, from a functional standpoint, is really comedically interesting. <laughs> it's one thing to have the straight man be the, uh, the audience and the camera right in front of you. But to be able to play off of somebody next to you, like, adds another layer to storytelling, especially satirical storytelling that is, that is very compelling. I think Roy and I, we talk about this when we do field pieces. Oftentimes, field pieces are solo. I think whenever we got to do field pieces as a pair, it's such a fun, fun tool. We went to South Carolina, and we had this really fun piece where it's like, sometimes you're talking to somebody, and the comedy is dry, or you're needing to get information out, but if you have another comedian there with you, the comedy can be but, but, you know, based on that relationship, and you can get info out. And so I think from a purely nerdy, academic, comedic perspective, like, two is a really fun, fun tool. So I, I love playing with Leslie. I love playing with Desi. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool to be up to. I mean, sitting at that desk is a true honor, and... And what a fun machine to be in charge of. So I think, I, I hope whoever gets that job is, you know, me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, my, my only I mean, hope. is responsible, is responsible. That's what I meant. Is responsible, is responsible and, and understands the, how heavy the crown is. And I, I totally would. My, 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 Sup- my support whoever, hope. whoever, whoever. <laughs> <got the show. laughs> my, my only hope, hang on, that's Comedy Central calling me. Uh, what? Are they, they have your number? Hello? They never asked for my number. They, they don't have my. Can you, I'm in can there? you text? Okay. Wait, could you cool. text uh, my yeah. number? 
text my, it's cool, text my number. They just, they just called me. They just said I'm in the running again. Um, <laughs> back in. You're back in. Yo, the, my the my biggest hope for the Daily Show and new satire going into a very pivotal election year is that I do think the show needs to have a permanent host. As much as I love guest hosting and I think it's great to mix things up, I think comedy is best when you understand the point of view of the host and you build a relationship. Comedy at its simplest in a five-minute late-night Jimmy Fallon set or an hour special, or in this case, a talk show, it's best when there is a, a relationship with the audience. And so the more of a relationship you have, the more places it allows you to go and mine for funny that you wouldn't necessarily be able to go with a guest host, you know, right away. You know, yeah, they want you, that audience needs to have like, they need like a decades long relationship with somebody who's been on the show for a very long time. Like that's what you're, that's what you're promoting. So if you got a call from Comedy Central, that that's what you would tell them to do. I was eight years, eight, not closer to 10. I'd say like yeah. like, <laughs> you know, It feels like if you want somebody who's been in did it. Multi, multiple hosts, different eras, like understands how to navigate yeah. through different time periods. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but you know, you're trying to run on experience and you know, this is about youth. You said it yourself. God damn it, wisdom I did is, you know, <laughs> wisdom doesn't help. It doesn't have to be that way, guys. It doesn't have to be. Eight years. <laughs> we... Get me to a car. I'm so sick of this Ruby Tuesday. Please, yeah. Jordan, you are, you are the Joe Biden of the Daily Show. We've now we've now discovered. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> yeah. um, well, Roy, because you because you mentioned uh, Hassan, I do feel like I have to ask about you know everything that went down with that. That was it was a crazy story even before it came out that he was basically had the job before the story dropped. Um, what did you, you know, as I think you each know him to some degree, have worked with him. What did you make of how that all went down? I thought that it would not be enough to cost him the job, regardless of what people felt about it in terms of like, I can't remember where I said this, but like basically what we did was we took Hassan's comedy and we flipped it over and read the nutrition facts. And then you find out your favorite juice isn't 100% fresh juice you know, whatever the percentage is. And some people are pissed, some people are okay with it. I felt like what he did on the Patriot Act existed in the same time frame as the stand-up lie or you didn't tell the truth about the thing, you didn't tell the whole truth, you know, about the thing. I didn't think that any of that would have been enough to cost him the job. I just think the question that was like never brought up was like, well, why now? Why is this article being written now and then he had the video only 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 Hassan Minhaj can <laughs> make a episode a 20 minute episode of web television to counter <laughs> an article he had graphics and yeah, shots and that shit. was that was really something yeah but it but it but it also like begged the question of okay if you're on me for spinning the truth the New Yorker not also spin the truth a little for their story as well but I think when you look at the issue of integrity within that chair and what John Stewart built and what Trevor built, I completely understand why there would be people who would not want to see Hassan in that seat. And I just, I get why that scared Comedy Central away from him. I just thought that would have been, I don't know. It just, it just felt like something where y'all would have just weathered that storm together and then once the yeah, well, comes. well, Trevor, I mean, a totally different situation, but he had a controversy. I mean, I guess after he was announced, 
uh yeah, people digging tweets. up old tweets and stuff and they got he got past that yeah i mean but you used to be insensitive versus are you telling us the truth right now today in this moment in a job yep. where we need yep. you to tell the truth today in this moment i like I, I i understand the disparity i just i just wish there was a deeper analysis into you know why that all came about but you know knowing Hassan personally you know it's like you you, you feel for somebody because that's the other thing about this fucking show the daily show is not cutthroat competitive in that sense like where i'm actively rooting against you or plotting against you like i, I don't know was it fuck who, i spoke with ronnie i spoke with costa clepper i feel like i spoke with you just one-on-one I don't think you were in the group chat with me and Ronnie and Costa. No, no, I wasn't invited to that one. Thanks, Roy. <laughs> this is a separate group chat that was established while you were away getting Emmy nominations wow. at other programs. Wow. Thank you very much. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. At the top of the year in January, at the top of January 23, when they first started doing the guest hosting, all the correspondents, we all said, hey, just so you know, I'm going to try to do my best. It's not up to me who they choose, but I'm going to do my best. I love you. And when it's my turn to be your correspondent for your week, I'm going to do my best for you. So I think everybody, you know, pulls for one another. So when you see somebody have it, you know, reel the fish in and then lose it on the line, you can't help but feel for them a little bit. Didn't occur to me until this conversation that one of his uh, competitors may have planted that story, but that that's uh, that would be pretty dark. It would probably be somebody that had been doing it, I'd say 10 years, because that feels like a veteran. <laughs> Somebody who yeah. feels like they're not, they weren't invited to the text chain. Um, <laughs> yeah, someone feeling a little bit on the outside. To be maybe, fair, yeah. Desi and Dulce mm-hmm. aren't on that chain either. It's Ooh, just. Yeah, all right. Well, this feels like I a problematic chain. That. Hang on, let me switch that up. Yeah, that's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it called Du Bois? Or, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, I, it's, there's definitely a lot of fascination surrounding all of this and, and how it's all going to play out. Um, you know, it's it's like it's interesting that there's so much attention on it, given that in general it seems like late night TV is maybe you know a little less relevant than it was you know a, a decade ago or a few, even a few years ago. Um, just with all the changing landscape of TV, do you do you feel that over the time that you've been there, do you feel like it, it does it have less influence than it once did in the John Stewart era or, or even a few years ago? You know, it's hard to gauge influence. I think uh, in the John Stewart era, that was the only name in the game. Uh, or it was the only yeah. big late night show that was In, devoted yeah, to that. Politics, I think, like, yeah. yeah, and I think things have sh- shifted. I think politics. Trump has become the elephant in the room, and a comedian's job is to read the room. And the room right now has a Trump in it, and so more people are talking about it. There are more voices, which in many ways, a democratization of voices is good, and what have you. And so the influence of any one particular show is totally affected by that. I will say, like, as somebody who came in. During John's time, like the shit mattered. John was a comedian and approached it comedy first, but the guy was serious as a heart attack, as smart as you could get. And people tuned into John. I tuned into John because I trusted him. I I trusted that what he said uh, he cared about, he did his research on, and that he wasn't bound by party politics. He was bound by bullshit. And that's what he followed. And I think a lot of people were drawn to that. And I think that is at its core what is cool about The Daily Show. It's what I love about that institution. Whoever comes in, whatever the next piece is, I do think like not only is it imperative that that person cares about the show that deeply, that that audience has that kind of trust 
in that person, that they care, that like they, they're not going to waste their time with somebody something else. They're, they're tuning into somebody who knows that this is a rarefied space, knows that they got to do the research so that they're not spewing bullshit and that they're, uh, they will look unflinchingly at that bullshit and cut it down uh, as efficiently as they can. I think that it's not only a necessity for that job, I also think it's an opportunity for that job. And so I think it's best days could lie in this next year because it's never been more important. And, and that's, what I, that's what I hope for that show. That's what I, I, I'm, I'm expecting that show to fill it with somebody who cares about it that way and that an audience will respond to it in, in such. Especially in a time where mainstream media isn't necessarily always willing to stand 10 toes down in an issue or on a topic or stick with the topic long enough for the sake of follow through and accountability. Like if you look at what Jon Stewart has done with the Zadroga Act and just straight up, we're firefighters and we are dying from conditions that we acquired from helping people during a tragedy pay my fucking health care. That story is come and gone from mainstream media. And the only reason it's even still in the zeitgeist is because of a, is because of John Stewart. You know, in ter- not that he's the only one helping, but you get what I'm saying. In terms of beating the drum on television about this singular thing. Yeah, he has the clout. That's why people cover it. I mean, that's why people pay attention for, you know, even if that's sort of an indictment of the way the media works, that's, that's true. Well, because the media in a way now, because they have to sell out for clicks to keep the lights on. I'm not saying that I, I it's the issue of media as a business model versus what is the social obligations in, in terms of journalistic integrity that media is having to deal with now. So the daily show becomes even more important because it is the show that has the ability to circle back to something and not have to live in the now. You know, the mainstream media, it's a constant debate of do we cover what people are, what people need to be talking about or what people are already talking about? And The Daily Show has never had to make that choice. But you have to balance it. I think, but I would say this, like everything on TV, on your phones is still slave to that mentality and how do you get clicks and attention? And I think that the, unfortunately the media is so drawn to that as is late night, as is things that move online. And I think like, unfortunately the, 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 the role of that, uh, that person or that place or that institution now has to both balance what is the thing that gets attention (laughs) with also what is the thing that is important. And I think like, that also, it takes a savvier audience to know what the incentives are for every piece of media and content you're watching. And I think that's what's, that's what's so scary and infuriating about it. And you have people like John who has the ability to wield influence in a direction of stuff that he's more uh, passionate about and still balance eyeballs. But like, yeah, the, I, the, uh, <laughs> the echo chamber we are in, the ecosystem we are in right now is, is not helping us get more, uh, more thoughtful uh, clear-eyed news and information. And so it raises the bar for those who get to poke holes in it because I think there's more holes to be poked. Well, we usually end these episodes with a segment called The First Laugh, which I've, which both of you have done before. So I'm not going to go through all of those questions with you. Um, but I thought we could uh, just end with with the question that I, that I ask at the end of the episodes um, and see if it can apply to something that experience you guys have had together at The Daily Show or elsewhere. So um, the question is something that makes you laugh now 
that really wasn't funny when it happened. Um, so is there something that comes to mind that, that, uh, either at the daily show together or separately, um, something that, that, that you can laugh about now that you just really didn't find funny when it happened? The Montana gun piece for me, when I, when I took the podium, there was a pro gun rally where they did not allow guns. Yes. Yeah. I remember this one. And so we go to Montana to cover the pro-gun rally and there's just a podium up front and people are speaking and yeah, and we got there. It was the same day as the March for Our Lives rally. So it's the counter protest. And the guy, while he's up there, like person after person has spoken about guns and the benefits of guns. And then the guy just goes, we're going to open it up to you all. Does anybody want to come up here? <laughs> And I turned to my producer, I turned to Ian Berger. And and just for context, Ian Berger also helps produce, is the sole producer of all of Jordan's kamikaze-ass Trump <laughs> shit. So I don't know why he thought I was clever. He goes, dude, go up there. Yeah. <laughs> and say what? Say something. Say something. <laughs> say something about this shit. It seemed like the right thing to do. I went up there and I said, have the car running. <laughs> and I went up at a pro-gun rally where guns weren't allowed and roasted them for not allowing guns at their own pro-gun rally. And you could see everybody computing. Yeah, who is this guy? Is he fucking with us? Is he legit? I can't tell. And by the time they could figure it out, I was gone. But for all of their guns, 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 these Second Amendment motherfuckers were also pretty down with the first which meant anybody could come up to the stage and speak. I know uh, Roy over here wants to say a word as well. This is the march that all the cameras should be at. I've learned today that, you know, guns make people safe. Which is why we didn't bring our guns today, because we understand that. Well, that didn't work. But luckily, this rally ended the way all good rallies do, with a big-ass pizza party. And that's something I'll happily open carry. I got the fuck out of there like <laughs> Kaiser Soze. And then I got mailed a Bible about two months later from one of the people I interviewed at the protest. And in the Bible, this person had highlighted all of the revelations, damnation and brimstone and wrath and just every revenge verse in the Bible <laughs> was highlighted. And in the back of it, he wrote, I forgive you for what you did to me. So God signed God. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. This dude for sure clearly used to be like fucking Frank Castle, the Punisher. And he's given yeah. up. Seems like that getting that Bible was like best case scenario. <laughs> I stash this Bible in. <laughs> I stash this Bible away. Top of October, I'm cleaning out and packing my office. And I finally worked my way down to that Bible in the bottom of my desk. And I fucking laughed for 15 minutes. For 15 minutes straight. That's good. About the fact that I almost got murdered. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's all that really matters, right? It's all that matters. I would say the thing that... That makes me laugh now that wasn't funny when it happened. Probably Roy getting fired from The Daily Show because <laughs> it wasn't funny. We all had to pretend like this was strong of you, so strong. I'm so 
I'm with you on your journey. And I think now a couple months later, you know, we can look back at that and we can just, we can laugh. We can have a good yeah, time. So I think hilarious. that's good, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, Roy. I'm kidding. We still stand firm. <laughs> Well, unless you have unless you have another story to share, we can end there. I have no, 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 no. I fight no. Yes, I find no humor and nostalgia whatsoever. So, yeah. Next question, <laughs> Matt. There, there are there are no more questions, you guys. This was this was fantastic. Uh, thanks for taking so much time to talk with me, and um, I wish you I wish your your tour was coming to my neck of the woods, but uh, but I'll have to just hear about it through the grapevine. Or maybe you'll add some dates someday. It's Ann Arbor, Grand Rapids, Charlottesville, and Washington, D.C. twice. So we'll knock those out. And then after that, we'll be in Moorheadville (laughs) Chapel. (laughs) Chapel. Yeah. Chapel. Quitica. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Beach. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much to Jordan Klepper and Roy Wood Jr. for helping me kick off 2024. I think we are all very eager to see how the whole Daily Show thing shakes out. You can get tickets to the America for the Last Time Tour, which begins in Washington, D.C. on Friday, January 12th, before making stops in Charlottesville, Virginia, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Indianapolis, Indiana, at the link in the description for this episode or at Ticketmaster.com. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple and Spotify. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on threads at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram and threads, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who's coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, you can find on Instagram at claude.mb3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.